0: And I don't know if you've ever been paralyzed by the fear of making the wrong decision. Oh yeah, but, uh, every time
1: I go to Cheesecake Factory, it's like, <laughs> there's way too many options on the menu oh, here. Oh man. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to the Bible Geeks Weekly Podcast. This is episode 61. I'm Brian Sheely. I'm Ryan Joy. And thanks so much everyone for tuning in. We're going to go a little bit Haggai chapter one here. And be considering our ways during this episode. We're in week 17 of the End of the Book Bible Reading program, which is Mark chapters 13 through 16 and James chapter 1. So let's kick this thing off, I guess. Where do you find Jesus here in the last section of the Gospel of Mark? Maybe even in James chapter 1?
0: Yeah, I stayed in Mark chapter fourteen. And, <laughs> it's it's um, the easy place to be, <laughs> man. I mean, there was a lot in Mark here at the, at the end of the of the gospel to talk about, and I went to the prayer that Jesus offered in the garden. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk a lot about the model prayer in Matthew 6. That was the winner from last week's Bracket Challenge was Matthew 6. But I think this offers a different model prayer, a different kind of formula. And I don't mean for us to become formulaic in our prayer, but for us to kind of think about the different parts of a prayer that's acceptable to God. And it really tunes our heart, I think, when we align ourselves with the way Jesus prayed. And so here he is in the garden about to go through just the most awful moments of his life. And it says in verse 35 of Mark 14, going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And then in the next verse, it gives us his actual words. And and I see four different parts to this prayer. So he says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And so the first part of the prayer is this address to God. And that's how we start our prayers usually, different Mm -hmm. ways that we might say Heavenly Father. He says, Abba, Father. (laughs) and Such a good word. Yeah. So we've talked before about how Romans 8 and Galatians talks about how through the Spirit we can use this intimate address. We can model Jesus' closeness with God. God the Father and and say Abba Father ourselves. So I think in that, as far as finding Jesus, you do see his closeness, his intimacy with God. Sure. And I think that's a, a good place for us to start is to think about who God is and to draw close to him, draw near, as we say. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing he does, it seems to me like a statement of faith. He's been saying things like this to people around him as he teaches them or instructs them not to doubt his miracles but he says this now as an affirmation to god he says all things are possible for you Mm -hmm. and I, i think that's a really great thing for us to say to god for us just as we're as we're getting started in our prayers we're sort of reminding ourselves god of course knows that all things are possible for him but in that statement of worship and praise that he can do anything a statement of his omnipotence it sets the tone for our prayers and for our faith in Mm -hmm. that prayer and then he makes the request So the third thing, there's only one part of this that's actually his request, and and his request is, remove this cup from me. And the verse before, as we just read, said he was asking for the hour to pass from him, for this time of, of trial to pass from him. And then he closes by placing the request, this thing that he's asking for, into God's hands. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm asking, but now I'm just going to hand the request and even my desire for the request into your hands. He says, yet not what I will, but what you will. So, Abba Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. So, what do you think of that idea of using that as like a starting point for... A prayer, not the only starting point, but a way to think about prayer, addressing God and stating our faith in God, making our requests, and then leaving the
1: request to God's will. I think it has a lot to do with where we get to in James chapter 1, verse 6, when he's talking about prayer and asking God in faith with no doubting. Yes, we acknowledge God, we address him, and then we acknowledge that he is capable of doing everything mm-hmm. you know everything that God wants to do he is capable of doing that all things are possible asking for what we want but then leaving that option in God's hands and the way Jesus does that here is just a, I think a perfect model for us in the way that we pray and especially in these times that we're in right now I mean we're probably asking God to do some very specific things in relieving our pain mm. but Not as I will, as you will.
0: Uh, As you're describing that, it it makes me think back to two different ways that the two different people approached Jesus with their requests Mm -hmm. earlier in the book. In chapter one, there was that leper that we talked about at one point that came up to Jesus and he didn't even really make a request. He just said, if you will, you can heal me. Yeah. And it's kind of like, all things are possible for you. I know you have the ability. It's just about your will. If you Mm -hmm. will, you can. The other guy that I was thinking about is a a little later, that father in chapter nine, I think, who says, if you can do something for us and have mercy on us. And Jesus says, if you can, what are you talking about? If I can, all things are possible for God. And so we don't have, we can't have that attitude of if you can. Mm -hmm. We know all things are possible, but then we go a step further and say, if you will, you can,
1: but if you don't will, that's not what I want. I want your will also. I think it's a great example. Another time that Jesus speaks to God Mm -hmm. uh, is in a few chapters later or in the next chapter, I suppose, in Mark chapter 15. And that is my place where I found Jesus this week in the crucifixion scene as he's hanging on the cross. This terrible incident that he's going through. And it says in verse 34, and in the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm -hmm. And this is hard. Yeah. It's hard to hear Jesus' conversation with his father. And in these words that are so deeply connected with his deepest desire and his Deepest pain. And the question that he has for God is, Why have you forsaken me? And there's a lot of meaning here. I think there's a lot of connection back. If you go to Psalm 22, Mm. Jesus is using the words of the psalmist there in his last hours there on the cross. And I don't know, you may get the sense that Jesus is unhappy with God. Why have you forsaken me? Mm. Maybe that he's in this just unknowing despair but i think when when you look at psalm 22 and you read through that it's a great psalm that we talk about a lot but as as despondent as the psalmist is in that psalm obviously i think it's a messianic prophecy more than a more than a psalm but as despondent as the psalmist is there's hope there and there's an acknowledgement that the lord is the great deliverer if you look at psalm 22 verse 24 it says, for he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. The psalmist is acknowledging there that the Lord is the great deliverer. He's the, he's the one who hears those who are afflicted. And so I think there's a lot of depth here in this question that Jesus asks on the cross. Why have you forsaken me?
0: yeah and a few verses later after that after those words you know when we get Mm -hmm. to chapter 16 we see that he has not hidden his face from him but has heard when he cried to him you know i mean you see that break of of light into the into the despair as god vindicates jesus and i I think that's i think you stated that really well this isn't a crisis of of the unity of the of the trinity in in a sense that you know the whole thing is broken down oh, this isn't jesus actually believing that god has betrayed him i mean we all kind of go through this story of things falling apart and having difficulties crying to the lord and he shows himself to be the deliverer of those who call on him and he leads us through it. But this was the great moment of God's taking all of our our pain and our suffering on himself, our wounds that, that belong mm-hmm. to us. And sure. I think that it is an incomplete picture if we don't see that ending of the psalm. We always say, read to the end of the psalm. Don't get stuck at the beginning. <laughs> and, yeah. And that's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. There it is again.
1: And I think this is, again, just another really good reminder for us, especially in the time that we're in right now, not even remotely as terrible as what Jesus was going through. I'm not trying to make that connection. But, I mean, we may be wondering the same thing. When, oh Lord, are you going to take care of this crisis that we're going through? And just don't forget that he's not far off. He's not so distant that he can't hear us. You know, He is the one who is hearing the afflicted. He's not hiding his face from us. He's listening to us, and he's the one who's going to deliver us.
0: There's great power in those Psalms, all the laments, all the how long, how longs, as Uh long as we get to the place of submission to God's will and worship of him as God and us as his creature. I think us pouring our hearts out to him and really being honest in our if it's despair we're feeling, if it's anger, whatever it is, being honest and working through that in his presence is a, is a powerful thing. And Jesus yeah. models that.
1: Okay, so let's get into our second segment, and that is Scripture du jour. What is the soup du jour?
0: It's the soup of the day. Mm,
1: that sounds good. I'll have that. So we're in James chapter 1 tomorrow. This episode drops on Thursday. Technically, we're in Mark 16. We're gonna get into James one because James one is packed, and there's <laughs> yeah. a lot of really good stuff in there that we don't want to miss. And so we're gonna highlight some of our favorite things that we found in James chapter one. So what did you find here in this in this Friday of reading that we will be doing tomorrow? I don't know. I'm trying to keep all this straight. is hard. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I I I picked the verse. Beginning in verse five, I picked really the passage that you already talked about, the double-minded man, the the doubting Mm -hmm. man, but it begins with this prayer for wisdom. So it starts out, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. And we might remember we've just read in verses two through four, when we get to that point about having joy in trial. And that's the kind of thing that we might need some some help, some (laughs) divine blessing to help us get to that perspective that we want to have to find joy in all of our trials sure. but that's the kind of thing we might ask if we're lacking that wisdom to ask god and wisdom is such an important theme in all the bible but in james it really shows up as this there's this heavenly wisdom as he talks about it in chapter three that is a different kind, a different way of being in the world, different way of making decisions. And so he says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So I remember this time whenever I was, um, I was 19 and I had this big decision before me. I was going through some like preacher training classes in Kentucky and I wasn't sure what I should do. I had this I, I had this sense that maybe I wasn't quite ready for the work that I was doing and I kind of wanted to go one way I kind of wanted to go another way I wasn't sure what to do and I don't know if you've ever been paralyzed by the fear of making the wrong decision oh yeah but uh... every time
1: I go to Cheesecake Factory it's like (laughs) There's way too many options on the menu here. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm going to make the wrong decision. Sorry. Go ahead. Please continue. I
0: love it. Yeah. So when you come to those Cheesecake Factory dilemmas, (laughs) how do you find the wisdom to decide what, what you want? And this verse showed up. I don't know if I was reading at the time and found it or if it came to mind. And I just started pouring over it and thinking about it. and it gives you these two different instructions. One is to ask for wisdom. But the second thing is believe that God's going to give it to you. And with God, all things are possible. You know, it's that affirmation of faith. We keep coming back to it. Yeah. Believe God's going to give it to you. And so I decided that's what I had to do. I wasn't going to necessarily see a sign or, you know, the answer written in the stars. I wasn't necessarily going to have this overwhelming obvious choice I just prayed and then I did all the things you do. I made my pros and cons list and I did those Mm -hmm. kinds of things. And I just decided to trust that God had given me the decision to, or or that God had given me the wisdom to help me make the decision. And that gave me peace and that gave me clarity and that gave me. I think the focus to have his will first and foremost in my mind as I tried to figure out what the right decision is. And so ever since then, anytime I I face a big decision, like, should I propose to this girl? Should I, you know, should I change my career paths and leave this career I was in? Anytime I make a big decision, I think of this passage and it really helps me.
1: And the thought that God... Is generous toward those you know who ask him mm-hmm. in this way. I think that's another thing to really find a lot of peace in. Yeah. You know, he's not he's not close-fisted. You know, just piecemealing out blessings to us in small small amounts. I mean, he's he's generous. That's a another thought. I think that really just connects you with God in a deeper way. That. He really wants to give you everything that is good and right, and your requests to him should acknowledge the fact that he wants to do that. I think that changes the perspective that you can not have any fear that God is going to withhold a good thing from you, Yeah, knowing how generous he really is.
0: Yeah, it's uh, this thing that we keep talking about. There's ability and willingness, and we have to believe really really believe that God can do these things and that he wants to do them. And I think for some reason, I don't know if I've made this up, but it seems to me that sometimes people are uncomfortable with the idea of God answering a prayer like this, a prayer not just for healing, but a prayer for wisdom, for God to Mm -hmm. give us uh, an inner change that would help us, that he would bless us with wisdom as an answer to our prayers in fact, I know I'm not making it up because I've spoken to (laughs) brothers that, that really believe that that is only just only reading the Bible. That's the only way you get wisdom from God. And I, uh, that's absolutely true. If you're neglecting the Bible, you're you're probably not going to find a lot of wisdom, but if you're seeking wisdom and you're asking God for it, this promises that he will give it to you. And there's, Any number of ways that that could happen and ways that we probably can't even imagine, you know, maybe you'll hear, maybe you'll hear it from someone. Maybe you'll go through a trial and he'll teach you through his discipline. Maybe, maybe you'll gain insight through, you know, through God just working in you. I don't know how it works, but he promised that he will do it. He
1: did it with Solomon. And so there's no reason to think that he won't do it for us as well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So. I'm in near the end of James chapter 1 and I found something really interesting and and I love this section of verses here because it almost is a a way of boiling things down, simplifying things down, which I love it whenever we can simplify some complex theological ideas into just a real nice soundbite oh, something that is, to think about. Oh, that's That's James' specialty. <laughs> He's good at it. Yeah. Definitely. So, verse 26 of James chapter 1 If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Interesting here that he talks about religion because this word is not really used a ton in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. You'd think it was all over the place because that's really what we're about is religion. <laughs> but it's it's not really a word that's used very often. And if you really want to boil down what religion is all about, he talks about three things that are very important to that religious attitude, religious service that we have. And that's our tongue. It's the way we treat people who are in need, like orphans and widows, mm-hmm. and our own personal purity. And if I think... If I had to think about all the things that James could have talked about regarding religion, what is the most important part of religion? I might have gone to a lot of things that look like outward acts of our worship. I would have thought about, you know, attending with the congregation, you know, assembling on the first day of the week and how we sing and how we give and, and all the things that we do in a worship service. Like maybe I would have thought about all those things, but he boils it down to something far simpler and far more practical i think to our everyday life which is the way we talk who we help and how dirty we are mm. in in regard to the world just a a real helpful reminder stripping away some of the things that we typically associate with religion and clarifying it for us to something we can do every day
0: yeah he doesn't he doesn't let you play act or pretend to be religious. I mean, he strips it all away, all the pretense, anything except really living as a follower. And and these are all things, it seems to me, that wherever you are in your spiritual maturity, you can find more ground to take. I think that's part of why it's so challenging is because oh, yeah. you just, you look at this list of you know visiting orphans and widows in their affliction man i can do more of that i need to do more of that i don't want my religion to be pure and undefiled keeping myself unstained from the world and maybe i can do a better job of that i you know and you yeah. think about your tongue i mean there's and he's going to talk
1: more about that yeah,
0: yeah there's so much work you know there's always some little little habit or little thing that can slip out a complaint an argument uh whatever i what What can I do to do better with my tongue? These are all really challenging as this whole book is. It is
1: <laughs>
0: piercing word after piercing word. I like the the word the phrase you use to describe James statements of they're like sound bites, and i I feel like they're all these like what is the the main statement if you clipped it out of a sermon? It's like he's clipped out the heart of a bunch of different sermons that he's given and and place them together into this organized, though sometimes seemingly chaotic structure as he kind of jumps <laughs> jumps
1: around from idea to idea. All right. So let's get into our last and final segment. We're going to talk about a few of our favorite things. These are a few of my favorite things. And it might be a little strange to think about a few of our favorite things while we're going through such a challenging time. But what is it that you have found of great value, even in this quarantine that we're currently in?
0: Well, I, I have noticed that while I have not been able to see our congregation on a weekly basis as we would normally want to see them, and I hate that and I miss them. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. We've had more daily Basis interactions since the quarantine. Yeah, you know, so good. Yeah, it's so these different social interactions, though they're on Zoom or on Facebook or a call or a text or whatever, uh, or people dropping by but standing four feet back on our porch. (laughs) We've (laughs) we've had quite a few long conversations while somebody's standing on our porch and we're standing two feet back into our door, um, just trying to be courteous to each other. But, um, you know, it's been really neat how everybody's reached out to each other. I I do this daily devotional at two o'clock in our congregation's Facebook group, and people jump on, they let each other know they're there, put prayer requests out there, and I spend more time praying by name in those sessions and And other times than I normally would, I think, going through and talking about people, praying about people and really trying to think about each other, especially in the congregation here, but also people all over the place. Any, You know, everybody has... Connections at this point to people who are dealing with the virus, people who are serving, you know, going into different areas to all kinds of things to pray about, of course. Mm -hmm. So that's been, there's been a lot of that. You know, a lot of people are putting themselves out there, especially on social media, doing, there's so many lessons, people that I don't normally get to have a study with or to listen to them teach or people singing songs, putting, you know, all kinds of stuff out there. And um, I heard, Uh, I don't know where I heard this. Somebody was talking about how sailors get so thirsty that they start drinking salt water and, (laughs) and how we can start to do that with social media because we're not getting the interaction. So we start trying to fill it up with, you know, with social media and it can be Adrian and I have noticed a little bit compulsive. So we found that we have to have to hide our phones for long periods of the day. We both deleted the Facebook app again off of our phones and, and we try to limit it and make sure we don't have too much with the social media and kind of settle in and focus on what's happening here. But in those small intentional doses, it has been really special kind of connecting with everybody every day.
1: Yeah. I have long thought that we put too much of a priority or too much of an emphasis on Sunday and Wednesday. Mm, yes, definitely. You know, I mean, and not 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 at all to take away from the value of those times that we have together, but No, no, no. That's that's not at all the extent of you know our interactions with each other. You go back to Acts two. What were they doing? They were in each other's houses every day. You know, mm-hmm. that's that it wasn't just a one time a week, a few times a week kind of thing. And I think the reminder of getting us back into that kind of interaction with each other, even while we can't be in each other's homes, we can, in a way, with technology and all these kinds of interactions we've been able to have. So I think it's it's a good thing to kind of revisit and think about our ways of being with each other differently.
0: Well, that's the other side of it. I think we're all going to be that much more excited and appreciative of of the times we do get together and way more Mm -hmm. hospitable after this and just like uh, our assemblies will be you know be treasured that much more but uh yeah this this has been there's been some real blessings i think it's forced us all to rethink things
1: yeah and i've i've found a lot of value my favorite thing one of my favorite things is something you touched on and we touched on a couple episodes ago too of Just the number of online resources that are out there. Yeah. There are more and more people taking to the internet who may not have before. I think you said a couple episodes back that all of our favorite gospel preachers are now televangelists, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) which I mean, is kind of true in a way. People are putting themselves out there online. So you have a lot more opportunities to hear from people who you might not have heard from before. One thing our family has found a lot of value in over the last few weeks has been, uh, you know Wilson Adams. Yeah, he. I mean, yeah, he came yeah, to yeah. Monta Vista and did a gospel meeting there. He's. I'm sure everybody knows Wilson Adams. I'm not. He I'm might not uh, know breaking. me,
0: but we've met, and I know. Who yeah, he well, is. that's that's true.
1: <laughs> so every way I don't know if you've seen this, but every Wednesday evening he's been doing a live stream. Uh, his wife has been putting the live streams out there, so it might be a little hard to, to find them. I'll we'll throw links in the show notes. Uh, you can also go to their website, Veterans Parkway Church of Christ website in Murfreesboro, where uh, they're putting some of the audio up. But every Wednesday night, he's been focusing on some real foundational, connected kinds of studies for families. And we've been listening to those, watching those uh, as a family over the last few weeks. And Wednesdays, we're basically just all huddled around the the phone screen or putting it on the TV, uh, watching Wilson do his thing. That's great. And the things he's been talking about have been really helpful. Uh, I think he started talking about the amazing story of the Bible, and he talked about dealing with grief. He talked about young people in the Bible who made a difference. And then I think the last one he did was on the walls of Jericho and how God was able to do some impossible things with, with the people there and just really good studies. I've really enjoyed those. I don't know if you, have you had a chance to catch any of those? No, I haven't, but we'll check cool. them out. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're really good. And, uh, our daughter is really digging them. So that's, cool. that's always a plus. Yeah. That's really
0: cool. Well, going with what you, uh, talked about with just huddling around, uh, a screen, having a study, (laughs) a devotional time or something with with the family. I think that's been a real blessing. That's another favorite thing, I think, from this time. It's just that family time. Sometimes constraints are a blessing, (laughs) you know? Oh, yes. Um, Absolutely. Sometimes just being forced to slow down, forced to be stuck together. I think our family will look back on this time as an important transitional period for each of our kids in different ways. They're all in different stages and, and we've just, there's been some periods of real discipline, (laughs) but there's been, it's all been positive and good. And just really like, ultimately the attitudes that they're developing, the, the connection that our family is, is I think strengthening with one another And I think as much of a madhouse as this house can be with four (laughs) little ones running around and Adrian and I trying to keep a handle on it, it has been really enriching. And I've talked to other people and Adrian and I both have just noticed that couples that maybe have not always had been on the same page seem to be spending more time together as we talk to them. You know, families just all over the place seem to be, though we know, I don't want to paint like a glowing picture like it's really hard on everybody and and much harder Mm -hmm. on some of us than our family which you know we we have i still have a job and we have one another we're not alone but i i just i think that there's some real blessings in especially just being forced to stop kind of the mad race to to lessons or to get somebody to school or to run to whatever the next thing is and just kind of being stuck together. It it changes as the, the clock has less, uh, less alarms going off and less things on the schedule. It forces you, I think, to have a, a different set of priorities.
1: Yeah, I think our family is in the same boat, and we've been spending a whole lot more time together, making more opportunities to be together. it It's kind of interesting because for a while, we had a regular Monday date night with my wife and I. And every Tuesday, my daughter and I would go out for a dessert in the evenings. And we were doing that real strong up until this whole thing. So, we've had to put mm. all that on hold. But even putting those things aside, like we can't do those things, but man, we've been spending a ton of time with each other, you know, making making our opportunities to go take a walk in the evenings, uh, you know, just really being around each other a lot more. And it's been great. I've enjoyed it. And kind of like you said, though, I mean, not everybody is going to be in that position. I mean, maybe you're in a spot where you're by yourself and this might be a challenging time for you. You know, I really do believe that there are opportunities Even now that if you can't be around other people, there's still still ways that this could be a positive time for you. But seriously, I think if you do have a family, this is a great opportunity to just, you know, not even think about the clock, not even think about the calendar and just focus more on each other. Yeah, I don't even know what day it is half the time, so I guess that's a good thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, <So. laughs> it's a weird blur, man. Two, the last two months, I just—it's like a fog. But but there, <laughs> it's really strange. But it definitely—if I was going to be stuck with someone in a house, uh, I'll take—I'll take these five people, I suppose.
1: Yeah. So my last one is kind of going to Haggai one, and I think seems like a really weird place to go, but. <laughs> You know with the Lord's people who they were so busy and so distracted and they had you know all of their plans and all their things going on and you could see the Lord constantly you know trying to shake them, trying to get their attention, you know kind of bring them back. and finally He had to tell them through Haggai, look I, I poked holes in your bag and, and you you were putting your money in a bag with holes and come back to me." And really the thought there in Haggai one that I want to focus on is consider your ways. I think this is a great time for us to consider our ways. I think we're having to rethink a lot of stuff right now. Yeah. Almost every aspect of our life has been touched by this whole quarantine and social distancing and everything that we've been doing, and it's just a great time for us to rethink what we've thought of as normal up until now. You know, when we you're just in the rat race, when you're just going and constantly you know, being pushed by the clock, being pushed by the calendar, being pushed by all of the expectations that you have. Now that all that stuff is on hold, I'm finding myself, and I don't know about you, but really just questioning, like, how important was all that stuff I was doing before? Was that really the focus of my life? Was that really what my life was all about? It's just a a good time, I think, for us to consider our ways. like what What really is a life well-lived as a disciple? What is it about? What does it look like? and does it look a lot more like that now than maybe it used to because of all this stuff we're going through i don't know
0: yeah it's it's this can be an opportunity for pruning really that's a
1: good word yeah, yeah. like
0: jesus talks about the vine in in john 15 and we all need to cut off those limbs that are getting getting nutrients but aren't mm-hmm. really where it's at and so that we can really thrive and grow fruit where it matters. Uh, And I I think this is so good. It might have to be like, I might just change my whole sermon and (laughs) and make it consider (laughs) your ways, but it's, uh, that is really good. It's a good way of stating something. Adrian and I keep praying about and thinking about and hoping that everybody is as, as we pray a lot and think about our congregation, especially I, I think this is a good way to state that the problem that the people of Israel found themselves in and what God expected them to do with that was just stop and think about, hey, how's everything that you're doing working out for you? Is this really what you want to be doing? Is this the way of life that you should keep going through? Or or should you should you pause and do a reset? And this is a great time yeah. for a
1: reset. Well, and I love that idea of pruning too, just from the perspective of what happens on the other end of all of this stuff, mm-hmm. you know, because we've, we've stripped away a lot of the niceties of life kind of to the core. When this is all over, are we going to try to put all those things back in place? Are we going to get distracted again with all of those things? Or are we going to let them go and, and leave them by the wayside? You know, I think at the end of all of this, we're going to find hopefully that we can come out of this stronger and with better habits and with less entanglements and really just simplifying. I think it's a, a great opportunity for us to simplify. And when you prune, you get rid of the dead weight, but you don't put it back later. You just right. leave it off. It's It's gone. And maybe there's some things that just forever now need to be gone. <laughs>
0: well, that sounds like a good segue to our challenge. You want me to do that? Yeah. All right. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so here's the challenge for this week. Identify some aspect of life that you thought was important, but now doesn't seem to be. You know, if we can identify <laughs> maybe a few of those branches that have not by our own choice been cut off, but we're doing just fine without them and and maybe we'd be better off leaving them off as as you said, Brian, instead of trying to reconnect them afterwards. The, I think this is a good just Good time to consider our ways and note those things that are important. What are we missing that we can't wait to get back to that will be good to come back to? And what do we really not need to place a priority on at the same level that we were before? And and maybe this has helped us to see that.
1: It's a good challenge. And uh, whether you like it or not, you're probably thinking about some of these things already. So it's a it's a good time, hopefully, to revisit some of these things. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Bible Geeks podcast. You can find us on our website at BibleGeeks.fm. You can find show notes for this episode at BibleGeeks.fm slash 61. You can also follow along with our Into the Book Bible reading plan. That's at BibleGeeks.fm slash Into the Book. If you got anything that you want to hear from us in the upcoming episodes, get in touch with us. Give us a shout out on social media. We'd be happy. We'd love, in fact, to uh, entertain the topics that you want to hear about. And until next week, everyone, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Shalom.